Our scripture reading for this morning is Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 through 16. Here now a reading from the Word of God. But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward, but you lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the Israelites may go into the sea on dry ground. This is the word of God for you, the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. Amen. Man, it is so good to be back in here with you guys. I'm imagining that there are some new faces in here since I've last been in here. My name is Ross. I'm one of the pastors here at Bluff Park. I usually spend Sunday mornings just, a, just down the hallway just a little bit to the right in our chapel with our modern worship service. And this is the first time that me and Kevin have been able to switch since he started here. As a matter of fact, I looked back. I have not preached in here since the second Sunday of Lent in March. Can you believe that? I mean, that is a long time. That's a long time. And a lot has happened since I last stood here. We celebrated Easter together. I missed that because our first child was born on Maundy Thursday, so I was out, but y'all celebrated Easter here together. I'm guessing that you've probably been on a few vacations, right? You've been to the beach or to the lake or somewhere for the summer. You've ended school and started school since I, I mean, y'all have been busy since since I've been away, but I've been busy too, because since I was, since I've last been in here, I became a father, like I said, right? Monday Thursday, our baby boy was born. His name, his name is Reed, and oh my gosh, it has been so much fun learning how to be, how to be a parent. It's been a wild ride, don't get me wrong. It's been a wild ride, and what you learn when you're a new parent is that nobody can really say anything to you to actually prepare you for what's about to happen to your life, right? You just, they just kind of all give you that look, and like, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. So we've been figuring it out, and it has been so much fun. This last week, he's four months old. This last week, he just came alive to the world, right? I'm sure you've all seen that moment with kids where all of a sudden they're looking at you, and they're following you around the room, and, and they're laughing, and they're reaching for stuff, and their personality is starting. It is just, this last week has been a blast. It has been so much fun. And one of my favorite things about being a parent that I didn't really expect to be one of my favorite things about being a parent, especially this early on, but it's, it's reading books to read that I loved as a child. For some reason, that has just brought me so much joy. Books like The Giving Tree and Where the Wild Things Are and The Velveteen Rabbit and countless others, right? All these books that I remember from my childhood, I have had the best time sharing them with him. And now, look, I know that he's way too young to understand what is happening in these books. He's just looking at the colors, if he's looking at all. But for some reason, I, it is, it's the high point of my day, every day, to get to read him some book that I remember from my childhood. And it's kind of got me thinking that, that stories really play just a massive role in our lives. And, and we're living in a time where it has never been easier for us to consume narratives. I mean, think about it. If you want to read, if you're a reader, you can go buy a Kindle, and you can buy any book at any time by any author and take it anywhere you want. You can take your whole library with you in your pocket. 
If you want to watch narratives, then you can sign up for any streaming service you want and just take off, right? Any movie or TV show. When you're on social media, you're looking at stories. You're looking at other people's stories as they would have you see it. You can get online and read countless articles that that take, I mean, think about it. We are living in a time where it has never been easier for us to consume narratives. And no matter the stories that you consume, one thing that I bet we can all agree on is that the stories we consume will impact our lives in some way. Right? I mean, the the stories that we consume will affect the way we see and understand the world around us, but they will also affect how we see and understand our own stories, our own lives, which means it's, it's probably a good practice for us to be just a little bit careful with the stories that we choose to consume. Because even though they may be captivating and funny and they, and they might draw us in, oftentimes the stories that we're consuming, they don't really align with our reality. Or in other words, they're, they're not true. A really good example of this is romantic comedies. And I don't feel like I should ever pass up a moment to throw a couple jabs at romantic comedies. But a really good example of this is, is rom-coms. And if you'll forgive me, we're going to use a prop this morning, right? But you, you know the story of, of rom-coms, don't you? There's so many of them. They're all the same, and they're all ridiculous. 51st Dates, 13 Going on 30, Along Came Polly, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Like, you know these movies, don't you? And they all start out the same way. The movie starts out, and you have some miserable person, some unhappy person, and they're stuck in the jar aren't they? For some reason, they're not able to live the life that they want to live, and then they're stuck. The reason that they're stuck, the problem, the jar, according to rom-coms, is that they're single, right? The one thing in their life that is holding them back from living into that abundance, it's all because they haven't found the right person to share it with. So over the course of the movie, you know what happens, right? They find a partner and they fall in love, but then things get a little bit rocky, right? And and it tries to make you question, is it really going to work out? But you know, and I know, how the story is going to end. It's going to end with them being with the love of their life. It's going to end with this person being out of the jar, no longer single, in love, able to live with the purpose and the potential that they had always wanted to, that one thing that was holding them back is finally out of their lives. And look, I've seen these movies. I even have a few that I like. I'll admit it. I like Fifty First Dates. I mean, come on. That's a funny movie, right? Me and Madison will watch them every once in a while. But but we know that these stories aren't true. We know that these stories don't actually represent how the world works. We know this. Madison and I know this because we know single people that are perfectly happy and are living into the abundant life that God has for them. And we know married people that are perfectly not happy, right? We know some people that the jar in their life that is holding them back is actually the person that they're with, and breaking free of that for them looks like being single. You're not, I mean, we know that these stories are not true. I think we have to be willing to accept that sometimes the stories we're consuming, they just aren't true, whether it's a rom-com, or a coming-of-age story, or a superhero movie, or whatever, right? There may be fragments of the narrative that are true, but overall, these stories, they don't really align with the life 
that we actually live. Which is why I think it's so important for us as a people of faith to spend some time reading stories that are true. Stories like the Exodus. Because this story is a true story. It does align with our reality. And it is a story that should be, it should be, affecting the way we see and understand not only the world around us, but also our own stories. And I'm betting that you're pretty familiar with this story of the Exodus, too. When the story starts, we find a people that are what? They're stuck in the jar, aren't they? Now, the jar looks a little bit different than it does in rom-coms. These people are stuck in the jar because they are stuck in slavery. They're in Egypt. But the real problem isn't just the slavery. The, The underlying problem, I think, is sin. They're stuck in this jar because of sin. They're stuck in this jar because of the sin of Pharaoh and the sin of Egypt, but they're also stuck in this jar because of their, because of their own sin. If we were to go back and read more of this story, right, this is going to sound familiar to a lot of you, you would see all about Pharaoh's sin, his hardened heart, his, his greed, his belief that he is God, his, his total unwillingness to submit before God, thus his decision through all of the plagues to keep the Israelites enslaved. But if we were to go back and read more, we would also see that the Israelites are are almost just as guilty of, of putting Pharaoh in that place of God in their life. They have in a lot of ways gotten very comfortable with this false God. And it's a scary thing for them to place Yahweh on the highest place of their life instead of Pharaoh. And you see them throughout the story wrestling with if they really want the freedom that God is offering them. And if we're honest, I don't think we should have any problems seeing our own story in this story. When we, for whatever reason, believe that we know better than God. When we're unwilling to recognize that God is God and we are we're not. When we put stuff in our life, stuff like, like money or success or material things or our kids' success, when we put anything in our life in the place where only God should be in our life, when we bow down to things of the world rather than bowing down to God, or, or when we let our fear and our doubt get in the way of where we know God is, is calling us. This story of the Exodus is true because we can see it in our story. Just like the Israelites, that sin in our life, that sin in our life, if we look back, it always what? It it puts us in, in the jar. It creates a separation between how God has created us to live and how we are living. Over and over again, our sin places us in jars. So if sin is the problem, if sin is what our problem is, and and if sin is the problem that we see in the Exodus story, then what's, what's the solution? I think the solution is what we saw in our scripture reading for today. Moses speaks up here. It starts off with Moses speaking to the Israelites, 
And, and he's speaking to them at a monumental moment that we all know, that we all think of when we hear the Exodus, right? It's that moment where the Israelites have made their way out of Egypt, but they're stuck. They have their backs up to the Red Sea, and off in the distance they can see Pharaoh pursuing them. Because remember, Pharaoh let them leave, but now he's trying to put them back in the jar. He just can't resist. And so Pharaoh and his army and all of his chariots are chasing them down, and they are panicking. These people are panicking. They're saying things to Moses like, we would rather be well-fed in Egypt than be a corpse by the Red Sea. Why'd you do this, Moses? Is this how this is going to end? And this is what Moses says to him. I want you to hear it again. Moses spoke to the people. Don't be afraid. Stand firm and watch God do his work of salvation for you today. Take a good look at the Egyptians today, for you are never going to see them again. God will fight the battle for you, and you, you just keep still. Moses says, look, guys, don't be afraid. Stand firm. Those Egyptians that are running after you, you're never even going to see them again. God will fight this battle for us. That's the solution that Moses gives. God is going to fight this battle for us. That's how we're going to stay out of the jar. All we have to do is be silent. The Lord will fight for you. You've prayed that before, haven't you? Lord, fight for me. Fight this battle for me. Go before me. There is nothing wrong with that prayer. That's a prayer that I pray many times during the week. God, go before me. God, do for me what I can't do for myself. God, fight this battle for me. And we see it over and over again in Scripture, don't we? God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. But notice there's more. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. But I don't think we're supposed to stop with that prayer. Usually when we read Exodus, I think we can take Moses' words and assume that he's hitting the nail on the head, right? But here, here it seems like God makes sure to add an addendum to what Moses is saying to the Israelites. And it's this. God said to Moses, why cry out to me? Speak to the Israelites. Order them to get moving. Hold your staff high and stretch your hand out over the sea. Split the sea. And the Israelites will walk through on dry ground. So you see it, right? God makes sure that Moses understands that yes, yes, the solution is that God is going to fight this battle for him. God is going to do for these people what they cannot do for themselves. God is not going to leave them stranded on the banks of the Red Sea. He's going to make sure that they're able to escape from the Egyptian army. But God also makes it really clear that they have a role to play, that they're not just supposed to stand there and keep quiet or be still. That part of the solution is is Moses getting out there and, and doing his part, raising his hand like God tells him to. 
and for the people to continue to move forward. The problem is human sin. Do you see what the solution is? Do you see it? The solution is God fighting the battle, but it's also the people getting on board with God and following after Him. This story, this Exodus story, is a story of a people moving out from under being under a false god and instead putting in their life the one true God in the place where God belongs. And they get there because God does for them what they can't do for themselves, but also because they're willing to move forward with God. That's the story of the Exodus. And friends, I believe that that's our story too. Or at least I believe that's, that's my story. Because I can't even remember all the jars that God has freed me from over the course of my life. All the obstacles that God has removed so that I can continue to grow and become the person that God is calling me to be. Countless times, right? I mean, countless times that I feel like God has shown up and fought my battles for me, done for me what I can't do for myself, helped me work through my insecurities, revealed to me the false gods that I had placed in those places in my life. But what this story has also forced me to see is that every time, every time that I truly, truly made it out of the jar, it's required me to do something as well. It's required me to follow. Every time that I've truly found freedom from whatever this was in my life, I've had to be willing to follow and be a part of what God was doing to free me. Another thing I realize is that every time I haven't been willing to do that, even if God showed up and fought the battle for me, I seem to always end up back in the jar. I don't know if that's your experience, but I, I feel like that's, that's mine. What I want you to hear this morning is that, is that no matter what that jar is in your life, God's going to show up. God's going to show up. God's going to show up and, and fight that battle for you. We know that because sin has been defeated. Freedom is available to us, right? The lid is off the jar. God has already fought that battle for us. That's the core of our faith, right? That a man named Jesus Christ came to earth and did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That he blew the lid off that jar. That we're no longer captives to sin and death like we were before, but unless we are willing to move forward with God and to leave that sin behind, my fear is that we're always going to end up back in the jar. So that tees up a really obvious question for me to ask you this morning. What's the jar? What's the jar for you? What is it that you feel like is holding you back? What's creating that separation in your life from how you know God has created you to live, but how you're currently living right now? Is it some kind of habit? Some kind of destructive habit that you have in your life that's holding you back? Maybe something that only you and God know about, which is why you've been able to get away with it for so many years? Is, is that what it is? Or maybe it's some insecurity that you're holding on to, some, some self-doubt or, or some fear. Maybe like Moses, we see him work through in chapter 3 when he comes upon the burning bush. Maybe you know where God is calling you to go. You know what this looks like outside of the jar, but for some reason you're just not willing to follow. You're not willing to move forward. 
Maybe you keep putting false gods in the place of God in your life. Maybe you find yourself bowing down to everything around you except for the one person that you should be bowing before. Maybe it's something else. I I don't know. But what's your jar? What's your jar? My guess is that we all have something in our life that, that God wants to free us of. That God wants to get rid of. And friends, the hope is that we can always know that that our God is faithful, that he will fight the battle for us, that the lid is already off the jar, that he's already won the biggest battle for us. And because of that, we can trust that no matter what the jar is in our life, that God will continue to show up. God will always be there for us, doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. But if we truly want freedom— if we truly want to live as the people that God has created us to be, if we want to live into that abundant life that we read about in the Scriptures, we have to be a people that are willing to do our part. Even when there are unknowns. Even when we're afraid. Even when we don't have it all figured out. Which, if you're like me, is most of the time. We have to be willing to follow after God. Which means the charge for us this morning, out of this story and from this scripture, is really simple. Let's climb out of our jars. The lid is off. God's already done for us what we can't do for ourselves. Our job is not to stand and be quiet. Our job is not to keep still. We're called to raise our staffs, to put our hands in the air, knowing that because of who God is, the sea will split. And a path to freedom will form. For he is our God. And friends, we are his people. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, my name is Kevin Payne, and I'm the senior pastor here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining with us in our podcast of our worship celebration, the sermon this past week. I pray that you found it a blessing and that it enriched your life. If you are ever in our area and would like to join with us in person, we are located at 733 Valley Street here in Hoover, Alabama. Our service time is 10 a.m. and we would love to meet you. I pray you have a blessed week and hope to see you soon. Bye now.